1: what's going on guys welcome to river city 93 brought to you by for the culture roughnecks cars and icarus fc this is your host elliot Barr, and is joining me is august coach of the month darren sawas how are you doing coach
0: i'm good man nice to see you, elliot
1: nice to see you too so i actually went back and listened to our first um podcast that we did together when you first got hired and I gotta say I apologize so much for how badly I butchered your name.
0: Well uh I appreciate that but uh you know one thing I said is uh uh with all of the guys on our team there's a lot of challenging names. Maybe we gotta get you a pronunciation key. Make sure that you got <laughs> all these guys, man, because we got an eclectic and diverse group man. They got some crazy names.
1: Yeah man and there are there are some crazy names out there but I gotta admit, I love the fact that they are diverse and everything. Um, first question, but let me back up real quick. We got a couple of questions we wanna ask you, but before we go into that, um, can you just talk about how the team has been handling the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, I know there's some talk of some of that community work that you guys have been doing, so you can just talk about that. and How has, you know, that movement and, you know, Everything else has been going on, on top of police brutality things like that. How has that affected your core group
0: yeah that's a that's a heavy topic and uh you know you and I are ebony and ivory, so it's uh you know I, i'm on a I'm on a side of it that uh you know it, it's interesting because i'm I'm learning in the process and you know I grew up in a pretty diverse place um and i I felt like uh, uh I had a pretty good handle on 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 what it means to be to be black in America, being a white guy. And, you know, I, I, am learning every day. So starting with that as the first piece, you know, I would say that uh, I'm really proud of our team. You know, we have a very diverse and eclectic group of guys and, uh, you know, we've had guys like Yvonne and, and Moonby and Devonte, uh, you know, they're, they're black players and they've, they've stepped up and, you know, really led the charge uh, both with the, uh, uh, the USL and with, you know, with our team to to educate and help us understand where guys are coming from, because, you know, we, we don't always know, you know, I'm a, I'm a white guy that grew up in a, in a, in a, in a pretty diverse area, but I'm still a white guy. So I'm not going to know everything. I'm, you know, I, I'm proud of the way that the guys have, have come together. You know, our whole mantra as a club, um, and we take it on as a team is, you know, joyful, authentic, and united. And the piece of that that matters most to me is, is the unity you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really saddened by how divided uh, the country is. You know, I'm not an authority on it, but I would say that uh, uh, we try through our club to unite this community on every way that we can. Uh, you know, I know Rob really, really promotes that, and, and I'm really proud of our team for, for being involved in it.
1: Yeah, um, for one of our recent podcasts, I think it was right after the Greenville game, um, Suzanne got the picture of you walking over to the supporters group holding up the Black Lives Matter armband. And just to see you and how other coaches have taken on that responsibility, like you said, like you might not be able to know it, but you're able to understand it and come from a place of sincerity. So it's great to see how much you have, you know, went out and made it known that this is something that needs to be changed.
0: Well, I'll tell you that my, my uncle uh, was a sheriff's deputy. Uh, my sister, uh, half sister is a deputy in, uh, in Washington State, so I have that in my background and they're both great cops. They're, they're great police officers and they're wonderful people. Uh, I think that in some places things aren't exactly what they need to be and you know on, 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 on both sides of everything, man, it's a, it's a heavy, heavy topic, but you know it's obvious that some things need to change in this country. there's there's no question. and black lives absolutely matter. Um, and I, I think people get lost in it and, and, and get frustrated with it because everybody wants everybody to matter. And, and that's definitely the case. But probably the best analogy I can, I can put forth when, when people ask me is, you know, when my, my friend's house is on fire, I'm going to go help and put it out. And I'm not going to stand in front of my house and wait for my house to catch on fire, too. I'm going to go help my friend. And for me, that's, that's really what it's about. You know, and I, I don't care what background you're from. Uh, that's the type of person I am. And, and that's the way that I'm going to carry groups I'm involved in.
1: Yeah, I mean, most definitely. I wish we had more people like that in the world. But we're going to move away from that heavy topic. We're going to move more into the team. you know, what you specialize in. You are the head coach for the Richmond Kickers and the sporting director. So um, going back and listen to our previous podcast, for those who haven't listened, we had Darren Sowaski when he first got brought on, We interviewed him. And we asked you about, um, you know, bringing silverware back to the club. And so far you've done that. Uh, you brought two rivalry trophies back to the team, you uh, the Bon Secours Cup and also the Hilly Derby. So, can you just talk to us about the impact of winning those two games at home, and you know how does how does the team take that momentum going forward?
0: Well, first of all, uh, whenever you can have a, a, a trophy that is supporter driven, uh, I'm a big fan of that. Man, you you and your buddy and in in, in that pink state up north decided to do this little thing, and and uh, I'm happy to bring it back. I don't know what the trophy looks like, and you could keep it at your house. And I was still waiting for my henny shot after the game, and nobody came and found me. But uh,
1: oh, I all, got you, coach. <laughs> I
0: got you. I got you. I got all you. I would say, all I would say is that uh, we're going to try to win every game that we can. You know, Ford Madison has a great team, and uh, to, to get a win at home, we were really happy with that. You know, in terms of the, of the Bon Secours Cup, you know, uh, that, that particular organization is awesome to both our team and to, to, to Greenville. So to have that cup is, is always awesome. Um, you know, our, our plan is to put a heck of a lot more silverware up in the trophy case. I don't, I, I don't, I don't lose well. This this week is already I've lost a lot of sleep. I don't I don't like it. It's not me. I don't I don't yeah. like to lose and and I know our group is really starting to feel that. So, you know, this year it's a little bit harder to get into that final, but uh but we're making a push, man. We're we're definitely in the mix and we're gonna fight to the last minute to get in that final.
1: Yeah. Um I, I wanna bring up that point as well about what happened this previous weekend. Um how did this risk of kickers team and don't be afraid to correct me if I totally get this wrong, because like I said before, I'm not the tactician person. That's more Shanier. Um, What we saw this past weekend didn't seem like the normal Richmond kicker squad of the games before it. Um, can you just talk to the, talk to us about what what happened in that second half, particularly? Um, we kind of saw not as much precedent as we normally saw. So we, what kind of happened there?
0: Well, first, I would say that good pros uh, adapt to any environment. And uh, I think that we, uh, coaching staff included, struggle a little bit in Chattanooga. You know, a, a 12 p.m., one o'clock uh, kickoff time and the heat uh, on that interesting turf there, I think it affected us more than I thought it would. Uh, so I take responsibility for that. You know, um, it, it was a difficult time to play. Uh, it was an odd time, odd surface. Uh, weather was interesting. And you know, we started the game pretty well, found a goal. You know, Emiliano scored another good goal, and, and uh, I felt like we were doing okay. But uh, we didn't get behind that team the way that uh, that we normally do uh, against teams. And, uh, you know, some guys took a couple of plays off, and that's not indicative of us. You know, I would call that uh, a, sp- a speed bump on the highway of life. You know, it's, uh, we're not happy with what we saw there, but I don't think that that's indicative of our, our culture character. I think it was just a, a bit of a one-off. Um, and I think that you'll see that when we play OCB this weekend.
1: Okay, okay. I mean, yeah, it it looked like a game for all the fans that probably watched it. It looked like a game that we were like, this doesn't seem like Richmond, but like you said, it's a speed bump in the highway of life, so probably probably, that's only a loss to them for the rest of the year. Um, Another thing that we wanted to ask you was, is there any updates on Zeb, uh, Devontae, and Mumbai? Like any updates uh, on them
0: us on Yeah, it's it's Moombi, just so you know, Moombi. Um, ah. uh, happy to help you, man. Um, what I would say <laughs> what I would say is is Devante had a completely successful um surgery to repair his uh his knee. He's in the rehab phase already and doing excellent. Uh is in good spirits. Was it training today? Um so so he's moving forward in a very good way. Um uh, and he's and he's upbeat, which is really important to us that his mental health is in a good place. Um, Zev had his surgery in California uh, a couple of days ago on his knee, and uh, everything went exactly as planned. So he's in the recovery phase uh, before he starts his rehab. Uh, and uh, Mumbi is fully recovered uh, now and available for selection. So we're, uh, we're we're really excited that all of them are in good spirits. And uh, you know, with with the first two, uh, it's going to be a little bit of time before they can uh, rejoin and be a part of things. Uh, but Moonby is available for selection now.
1: Okay. Well, that's good to hear that everyone's back in strength. But also we wanted to talk about um, two other players that kind of caught our attention on the podcast so far that we've been watching the games. Um, can you just – like Luke Pavon, for instance. Last year we never really saw him play. This year he's been your featured striker. What are you look, looking to do with him playing up top as your number nine and what went into your decision-making of putting him up there?
0: Um yeah, it's no it's 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 no secret that uh that we press at times during the game. And one of the things that, that Luke has done is embrace uh the information and uh he, he's earned his way into the team. Um I don't uh past history doesn't really matter to me. I, I look at everything and take it into account. Uh but we had a we had a long preseason that then got cut off and we had an isolation training period and um through both the early preseason and the isolation uh, Luke stuck with the program, listened, and really worked hard, and uh, he's earned the opportunity. And with each game, you know, one of the things that Luke does is he takes pressure off of Emiliano by doing a lot of the pressing work up front, and uh, it's been a nice synergy. At least it was for the first, you know, seven eight games of the season. Uh, now that we're getting some guys healthy, you know, our kid Stanley Alves is uh, is starting to wake up a little bit and get healthy, um, so you'll see some rotation up there, but. Uh, um, I you know I have a lot of respect for Luke. Luke's a kid who's worked for every moment he's gotten, and uh, he's been rewarded for it.
1: Mm, yeah, we we like to call Luke on this show like the bulldog how, for how much he's just been. He just he is a relentless runner. And that's one thing I've mentioned about him. And I, like I said, like he might not score your goal, but he go press somebody some way. So that's one thing I love seeing about your style and everything. Um, another another two players that really stood out to us are. Uh, Iwape and uh, Matt Bolda. Matt Bolda definitely provided a crucial assist in the Chattanooga game. Uh, what are you looking to do with them out of the wings, and why have they been so prevalent in your system?
0: Uh, well, Matt Bolda has been probably the most consistent guy in the group since the start of the season. Uh, he goes a little under the radar sometimes. People don't always give him recognition maybe that he deserves. Um, Matt buys into the system. It took him a little while to understand what I was looking for and, and, and how we want to get behind defenses. Uh, but there's been moments this year, uh, particularly in Greenville, um, and you saw it again here in Chattanooga, where he's gotten behind and scored goals or created them. Um, Mataya is a very clever player, uh, can certainly create things. I mean, Mattia won the ball and turned quickly to play to Matt on the goal that we scored at Chattanooga. And, you know, sometimes Mattia will come up with a pass before the assist, uh, which is very valuable. Um, I think for the second half of the season with Matai in particular, we really need him to get onto the score sheet for us to be successful. You know, he's he needs to score some goals and he needs to create some assists. Uh, you know, and he's doing that and he's creating things and, and we're getting closer. Um, I think once we get everybody in rhythm, I think you're going to see a pretty potent attack.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got to admit, uh, seeing the assists coming from that Bulldog and, and Wapi, how and clever they've been, has been a positive, positive sign for the team. Um, it's just another player I want to talk to you about. Of course, um, the goal scorer, you know, 7th heaven, Mr. Emiliano Terzaghi. <laughs> How important has he been to your squad? And just, you know, what kind of flexibility do you have? We've seen him play from the striker to kind of pretty much like a center forward to an attacking mid. What kind of flexibility does he give you outside of his goal scoring ability?
0: Well, I think the most important thing that uh, that Emiliano brings to our team is veteran leadership. You know, here's a guy who doesn't speak the language yet, and he's had a, a major uh, impact on a lot of players on our team because he, he shows them through his daily work what it is to be a true professional soccer player. You know, he's first guy there, last guy to leave, always willing to help somebody. Um, he has good insight into the game. You know, I uh, I speak a uh, alternative form of Spanish, so I can I can communicate fairly well with him. But and we have guys in our team that speak good Spanish. So he has very good tactical sense. He understands the game really well. So outside of just banging in goals, he's he's good at helping guys position themselves and to learn and grow. So just his presence in our locker room uh, is a great growth piece uh, because at this level, when you're helping players develop and grow as pros, uh, you need guys around that have been there. And when they're on the field for you, it's it's super valuable. So I, you know, I can't speak highly enough about this guy. He's super humble. Uh, he can score with the best of them, and you know, obviously, he's played at a higher level. So what he brings to us is just a great professional, um, you know, atmosphere.
1: Okay. Um, okay. Also, this team right now, we're at the halfway point of the season, and this team sits in fourth place, um, two games off of that key second place that gets you into the playoffs. Uh, what are you looking to do in the second half of the season and what are some things that you're looking to see out of the team that will be positive notes for you?
0: Uh, well, the first thing that I would say is, and, and I've said this since the day that I got here, um, we're, we're we are a work in progress. You know, we're not a finished product by any means. And. Um, you know, we, we've done a good job of finding some results in, in counter-pressing and, and getting in behind defenses. But uh, it's going to be important that we get more possession of the ball in the second half of the season. You know, you, you can't over-defend in games and expect to make a run into a, to a playoff position, especially when there's only two playoff spots. So, uh, you know, against uh, Orlando, I think you're going to see more possession out of us. Uh, but we're not going to change the way we play. You know, we're a team that pounces on things and attacks quickly. Uh, it's entertaining. It's exciting. Um, and as this team grows into next year and in the years beyond, you know we want to be a team that always has that type of attitude. We're on the front foot, uh, but when it when the time is right, we want to take the game off the boil a little bit and keep possession. So I, I think the second half of the season you'll see a, a, an even more complete brand from us um, and from more players in the group.
1: Yeah. The last look. you have eight games left in the season, five of which are at home. What kind of edge does that give your team? I mean, of course playing at home, but what kind of edge does that give your team going into the final stretch of the season?
0: Well, I think it first starts with you guys, man. You know, we've uh, we've had a great crowd uh, the last couple of games um, at home. It's been amazing to have people cheering and screaming for us. Um, You know, we've been on the road. We've been in the stadium at Gillette where there was nobody in there, and you can hear the echo uh awesome stadium but there's no fans uh we've been in some other places like uh chattanooga where they're basically coughing over the top of you without masks on so it's uh it's been kind of a hodgepodge this year and you know here uh you know the the fans are a huge piece for us and you know playing at city uh uh, it's our home you know we want it to be a fortress we never ever want to give up a point here so uh having five games really bodes well for us and uh man we're looking forward to it i know the guys are
1: okay Wow. Um, yeah, I, I want to I ask you about that. You know, coaching in a pandemic has definitely changed a lot of things. Um, what is something that since you've been coaching and uh, teaching the players in this pandemic that you're going to take with you now going forward? Or, you know, maybe I said that right. <laughs>
0: um, uh, That The devil's in the details. Um, if you take the pandemic itself and take the soccer part out of it, you know, you need to wash your hands. You need to wear a mask. You need to do these things. Uh, one, because that's what uh, scientists and epidemiologists say, not politicians. You should listen to people that actually understand science, not politicians. That's my personal uh, uh, opinion, but uh, it seems to make sense because science is fact. It's not. It's not an opinion. Um, the second part of it is um, that you need to be patient. You know, we we've we've <laughs> we're so lucky to be able to play uh, again. Rob's stuck with this in, in ways as an owner, that's just been unbelievable. And, 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 the, and our entire group and organization has been so awesome in sticking with it. And, you know, out of the first four games, three of them were changed. Two were postponed. One was moved. You know, uh, it, it feels like every day you, you come in waiting to see what the next challenge is going to be. And, and so you have to be patient and, and you got to be unified. So, you know, as a coach, it's, it's really it's difficult to prepare. Uh, but I'm I'm just so proud of this group because they've reacted and adapted really well to all of the challenges we've had. And man, I, I got to be honest, I don't, I want to knock on wood here, but if anything else happens, I'd be surprised. I mean, it's, it's, I've, there's been a lot of stuff thrown at us.
1: Yeah. It's kind of just like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like we were talking about before we started the podcast about just how every single day is just something different and you never know what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> I can't, uh, I, I would, I would say that, uh, I've seen things in the last six months that I haven't seen in the last five years, uh, combined, you know, when you're, when you're a coach and a professional team, you ha- you have a lot of odd and interesting things that happen, even when you control everything that you can control, uh, when you're in an environment where you're trying to control things that you have zero control over, it certainly uh, makes things challenging, you know, and and again, credit to the players and, and the front office staff here for, you know, adapting quickly and, and, and staying with the protocols to, uh, to make sure we can play.
1: Yeah. Um, so we're going to go more into your sporting director's role and how you have this big Rolodex. So me and Shadir think, well, I personally think that you have a desk, you have, like, this big, huge Rolodex of this players <laughs> to coach you can call out. Um, but we recently saw the, saw the kicker side, um, a new striker, um, Olex Anderson. Uh, what went into the decision process of bringing him onto the squad and when can his fans expect to see him start and play and what should we be looking forward to him doing out on the field?
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things about being a journeyman pro, I was a journeyman pro as a player and I played in a lot of places and uh, as a coach I'm starting to get that kind of uh, uh, thing. You know, you, as a coach you, you're hired to be fired and you you know that so you you come in and, you know, I'd love to stay in Richmond for a long time and I love it here. Uh, but the, the interesting thing about moving around is you, you meet a lot of people and you grow a network and if you're respected and if you do what you mean and mean what you say, uh, people respect you. And so, you know, I have a a group of people all over the country and really around the world that I know if I call and they say, you know, Elliot's a good soccer player, I can trust that Elliot's a good soccer player. And, you know, whether we want him on our team or not, if, if somebody that I trust, uh, and respect says that you should look at somebody, then we look at him. And that gives us a broad base to to draw from South America, from Europe, for, from all over the U.S. And, and uh, you know, we're already planning for the future here. Um, we're looking to win every day and uh, win every trophy. So, uh, you, you got to plan for the future. And uh, there's some exciting things coming for Richmond Kickers.
1: Okay. Um, with Olex, are you, is he going to be the traditional striker or is he going to be someone that maybe moved around from the winger and striker spot?
0: Uh, so Olex was a guy that I knew from Seattle, uh, very fast, very, uh, technical, um, uh, creative player. Um, he can play on either flank. He can play underneath the striker. He can play as the striker. Um, you know, in our, in our team, uh, we don't have that, uh, definitive post up striker that puts his foot on him you know, like, uh, like the guy from, from Madison or, or you know some of these are the teams where they have a guy that puts their foot on the ball and guys run off them. We play a little bit more flowing game. Um, Oleks gives us ability to both post up and hold the ball, and it gives us ability to turn and run at teams. So um, to answer your question directly, I could see him playing you know, one of four different roles on the front line.
1: Okay, so one person that we were not expecting to play striker but kind of did was Wahab Akwe. We've seen him. <laughs> All over the place, and early part of your team here as coach. Um, just one question I want to know what was the decision process of putting Wahab up there as striker in the Rebs game? Because we saw it, we all started busting out laughing.
0: Well, at the time, um, you know, we needed somebody that was a big body that could get up and compete with the uh, with the two center backs. You know, on that turf field at the end, we were knocking some longer balls, so I wanted somebody that could challenge. Um, and it, because we were up two to one, and and we were we were at, it was towards the end of the game. Uh, I wanted to be able to close down and have a good quality defender up there. Uh, sometimes your first line of defense, and it, at all times your first line of defense is your front line. So who better than uh, than a defender to help you win a game?
1: <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, also, back to the other question: If someone tells you that I'm a good soccer player, they either a lied, b I paid them a lot of money, or a combination a b. <laughs>
0: Well, that is your uh, – that's the whole point of a network. If, if somebody <laughs> tells me that you're a good soccer player and then I watch you, I'm probably not going to listen to him again next time, am I? <laughs> no, I'm probably
1: not. I Look, I can probably give you a good couple of fouls. That's probably it. Um <laughs> enough. To <laughs> so with covering this team and you're building this team, like you said, you're building this team for the long haul. How do you find that balance into building the best Richmond kicker team that you can possibly do and also – Possibly getting players ready for, you know, going on to college if they wanted to, or making that next move up, maybe into the championship and or MLS or Europe.
0: Yeah, that's a big question that we could talk about. Um, it goes to the philosophy of the club and what the future of the club is going to be, and we're working on that. Um, as it relates to college, you're really talking about youth players, um, and currently, you know, with Richmond United, uh, who we have an affiliation with. Um, you know, there are players that have trained here uh, not as much this year because of the COVID piece has kept us really limited. Um, but, you know, I've noticed uh, that they've moved a lot of players on to MLS academies. Uh, you know, the long term version is if you really want a player pathway to be correct with the protein, uh, they need to go through the protein before they move on. Um, and that's something that we're going to have to fix and change uh, as the future comes. Um, so there's that piece. And, uh, you know, this year has been really difficult on everybody from the youth. Uh, all the way through the pro team because uh, you know, we, we haven't had the ability to bring guys in and out as much because we've been really limited based on the, uh, the protocols. Um, as it relates to the guys that we bring in uh, as current pros and guys right out of college, you know we obviously want the best for everybody, um, and that includes front office staff. If, if somebody is really excelling at something and they want to move on to a higher level professional uh, career, I think that's definitely an end goal for, for us at the Kickers. Um, I, I, I warn people um, a lot to make sure that it's the right time though. Um, if you're a good soccer player and, and you're, you're going up the development ladder and you're doing really well, you want to make sure that you're dominating at this level before you try to take on the next level. Uh, because if you don't, you can find yourself moving on too quickly. Um, and then you go there and you end up sitting on the bench and it actually thwarts your development cycle. You would have been better off to stay here and keep competing and playing before you try to make the jump. You know, it, it's something that I've worked on for a long time. You know, I coached the centers U23 team in Seattle uh, for a long time. And, and you know, one of the things, you know, agents are always pushing players to move up. And uh, a lot of times uh, they're making decisions based on making money, not on what's best for the player. Um, I try to be honest. Uh, if a player wants to move on, you know, there's a business aspect of it. But we help players move. I just I always talk to them about making sure it's the right time before they try to make that jump.
1: Yeah, that was definitely in- I can see something you're really passionate about, um, just seeing players move on. I know it, it for us personally, you know, everyone to see like a favorite player move on, but it's good to see that you guys aren't trying to just pitch a hold of the player, but also, you know, you guys are trying to bid toward them onto the next step. Yeah,
0: you know, again, we don't ever want to stand in the way on a player moving up. If there's a player that can move on to the championship or to MLS, which are the, which are the league levels above us, then we want to help them but it doesn't make any sense to have a kid uh, uh, go get onto a championship roster and sit and watch for a year, you know, in order for players to develop, they have to play games. Um, and when players are ready, I'm the first one to, to talk to other teams because there's a business aspect that helps us in that. And it also, you know, it creates a pathway because if I call a coach in the championship or an MLS and I say, Hey, look, I have a kid that's ready um, and they trust me and they give them a chance and they do well, it creates a pipeline. So then they can also help me in the long run and say, hey, look, you should go play a year in Richmond for Darren um, and the staff there uh, because we know that they'll get you ready and then you can come back uh, with us. You know, And those are the relationships we're looking for. We want to help uh, MLS teams develop players. Um, and in, in turn, we want MLS guys to promote us and send players to us because it only helps everybody in the ecosystem and ultimately the players benefit from it. Mm, I
1: definitely agree with that. Um, well, let- Couple of more questions for you, Coach. Um you had a, my bad. You've been in Richmond for a couple of months now and also your had experience at two teams. Um seeing the differences, can you speak to us about the differences between coaching an independent team and a two team and how different they are?
0: Yeah, no question. This is another two hour phone conversation, but what I would say <laughs> to you is what I would say to you is uh, with a two team, you're at the behest of the first team, you know, uh, being a part of two teams in the past, we knew no matter how well we prepared, uh, whether it was our style of play set plays or whatever, that there were going to be players that would be injected into the team, uh, at the end of the week with no training, uh, that would need games, um, and have to, um, and have to get minutes, uh, managing that is a, is a, is a grand challenge, um, both with the players that you have that are in market with you all the time and with the players that are coming uh, down, if you will, uh do they want to be there are they motivated um how are the players that are going to get bumped out of the team and even off the bench uh going to react to that and it's a colossal challenge and i think the only way that it really help happens well is if the club is fully integrated uh and that goes back to my point you know in order for the youth and the reserve team and the first team to all really work together uh they have to be in unison it has to have the same philosophy um I've been a part of places where it was and was successful, and I've been a part of places where it was not, and it it made it very difficult as a coach. Um, To to answer your question about two teams versus independent teams, uh, I find that the independent team is is easier to manage uh, in that you can get more culture and club buy-in because you only have your contained team to deal with, Um, with a two team. Uh, there are a lot of uh, things that you have to deal with. Uh, but there is one advantage. With a two-team, if you're struggling, you can ask the first team, and they can send you down ringers, uh, which can help you win. And if everybody's bought in, you uh, you saw what happened with North Texas. You know, last yeah. year, this, the second time my Tucson team played against North Texas last year, there were nine first-team players on the field, including Christian Coleman, who is a DP. I mean, that guy makes more money a month than our whole club spends a year. So it's uh, at least last year. So it's, uh there's certainly challenges, but uh, I'll say this. I love the Richmond Kickers. I love everything about it. Um, I've been stuck in my house too much over the last six months, and I cannot wait to take my wife out to dinner on Cary Street in downtown more and more and be more a part of this community. So uh, I, I love this place, man. This team is awesome.
1: Yeah. So a couple of fans want to ask you questions as well. Um, first of all, I want you to know I have no experience when it comes to, like, heavy metal music or punk music, anything like that, but a lot of (laughs) people wanted to know. Like, once everything kind of clears up and we're kind of back on the right track, are you looking forward to going to some of the punk shows here in Richmond, and what are, like, some of your favorite bands and music you've been listening
0: to recently? Look, man, I'm a metalhead because I grew up (laughs) in the 80s, and back then, you uh, you were a rocker or a waver. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, I was there when hip-hop started, and uh, uh, hip-hop as you know it, and I'll tell you what, I saw elder barge beastie boys and run dmc at the tacoma dome in 1986 and there's not a lot of people that can say that they've done that and and it was amazing and at the same point i was going to see metallica and metal church so (laughs) what i would say to you is i'm a live music guy and my wife and i are absolutely just dying right now because with COVID 19 uh, both with protocols and with being smart it's just not safe to go to live music concerts right now and Man, I'll go see, you know, uh, I have some reggae bands I like. I'm a big John Lee Hooker fan. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, I like old blues music. Uh, but, uh, you know, to circle back on the things that people seem to jump on me about, both Mika El Ovara and I both are, uh, we're some, we, we like ourselves some 80s metal, man. We're, uh, we're <laughs> in it. We love it.
1: So do you guys be like in the middle of like coaches meeting and just have heavy metal music playing in the background?
0: What do you think?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> For those who can't see it on the podcast, Coach is pulling out his whole speaker. That has to be interesting. I would love I would love to be in one of those meetings. Just listen.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, R- Race Metanic, uh, who does an absolute amazing job. The guy wears like 15 hats on this team. And uh, he's a GM, he's an equipment guy, he's a stadium guy, he's unbelievable. Uh, he's a bit of a metalhead too. He likes a little bit more of the doom and gloom metal, but. Uh, Pretty quick, uh, we'll be in here all sharing music, and it turns into a pretty uh, pretty heavy haven.
1: Oh my god. Well, I got to say, your football has definitely represented that as well, the heavy metal. And it's been a welcoming change here in Richmond. Uh, one last question, and I wanted
0: to know, um, do you think you look like Thanos? <laughs> oh, I think I saw that on your social media. I don't know, man, if I have as big a head as that dude, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, you know, that's your generation. You tell me. <laughs> I would say there are striking
1: similarities between you and Thanos. There are striking similarities, but also like the way you have you you, you came in, kicked butt, took control of the Richmond kickers and kind of some of these other pundits heads. I got to say that's kind of like Thanos, so. Coach, with that being said, uh, we just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, any closing words before we wrap up?
0: Yeah, man. Listen, th- this is th- we're only as good as our community, and we only want to be as strong as and be a part of that community. So uh, come support us. Let's fill the stands as much as we can, and, and let us know what we can do in the community, man. Come buy tickets. Come watch the Richmond Kickers, and uh, come be a part of what we're building here.
1: All right. Man. Thank you so much, Coach. We will check you out
0: later. Thanks, Elliot.